Blog Talk Radio. It cannot be emphasized strongly enough the beauty, purity, and perfection of who you really are. You are not your illness, your finances, or your loneliness. There's nothing wrong in your life that you don't have the power to correct, and you are unlimited in your ability to tap into that power. Welcome. I'm Janet Richmond, and this is the Higher Self Voice. Well, good morning, everyone. Hello, hello. You probably thought I was lost and never to return. I ended up having a dark week last week. Unexpectedly, I was traveling. I was in Houston visiting my daughter. My son was there. My son got pretty sick. Nothing major serious, but really sick. And so we ended up uh, coming home from Houston uh, unexpectedly. And we travel Wednesday, don't you know? So it just um, (laughs) was one of those things. But it actually, I have to say, in some ways, even though we weren't able to be together, uh, my daughter, my son, and I, for the holidays, it, it, there were some very big silver linings, and I'll tell you more about it. I hope all of you had good holidays, and we have a new year coming up. I'm excited about the new year. I'm excited about 2017, and I hope all of you will have great years, of course. This show is the one that I was going to do last week uh, and never got to it. So I, I will be doing that same show that was planned for. But in any case, I did want to just mention that I have said a couple times this month that I was going to switch it up for 2017 in the radio show. And I'm here to say I don't think I'm going to. What was really exciting was before I went, I think before I even went to Houston to see my daughter, I, my son was here. He's now helping me. He's now my temporary assistant. And he said, Oh, there's something really crazy, mom. I said, what? (laughs) He said, well, he, and we, we never do this. I mean, I mean, never, I never look at the statistics for this show or or for my website or for anything because I don't want to base what I do or what I say or what I talk about based on did the numbers go up that week or did they go down, you know, because life is so busy and people are, everything happens unexpectedly. There aren't necessarily patterns and and there may be long-term patterns. So, Occasionally, I would look at my numbers and I see they're going up. There's a long-term process of going up. But if I looked at it every week or even every month, I would probably get nervous. Oh, wow, they didn't go up this month. What the heck, you know? And then I would get an unnecessary kind of anxiety and worrying about what others, you know, trying to please the listeners when really I have so much to share with you all. I'm finding my own way. You all help me with your um, your feedback, you, the notes you send me. You help me in a lot of ways. But what happened was just before I went away to Houston, my son was looking at the numbers. Now he's, you know, he probably looks at them a lot. I don't know, but it was the first time he said anything to me about it. He said, Mom, you won't believe it, but the last few shows that you've had, your numbers went up like 10 times. I went, what? 
And it wasn't just the clicks. It was the downloads. So people were really interested in the Marias ones and the Sadakis ones. And I went from having maybe 50 or 70 averaging downloads per week to 700 and 800 downloads per week. And I thought, wow, something about this is really talking to people. And of course, getting to people is my biggest goal. So I did shift my, my idea. I am going to continue with the, in his own words, topic. I have many I have Marias, I have Sadakis, I have uh, Peter and Mary and, uh, you know, the other apostles. And I don't know what else I have because I've, I've not looked at the information in that with that viewpoint or that perspective. I know Joan brought through many, many different things, and I will probably do more than just the apostles and the, those connected to the higher heart consciousness concept. But in any case, I am going to continue for a while. Now, it may, it may turn out that I run out of things or uh, I have to combine things and, and we just, I just don't have the response. But in any case, I am going to continue. And as you all probably know, this is a very big focal point for me, this show. I've done it now for so many years and it's really helped me expand I love sharing it with you. I love all the feedback, and I'm growing, and hopefully you're learning and growing as well. Okay. Now, as for my book, Jane and Company, um, I'm not sure yet how I'm going to get it going, but I did see, and I may have mentioned it on the show, I just don't remember, but I did see a friend of mine who was a literary agent, and he felt that he might be able to get a publisher interested in the book. Um, he's, this friend of mine is, deals in a completely different genre, so he, he isn't one that would be dealing with it, but he ha works with an agent who is in New York, who is very connected to the New York publishers, and it would possibly be, uh, be interested in helping me. But, guess what, guys, I have to write a book proposal, and that, it's a, it's a large document, it isn't just 20 pages, it's more like 75 to 80. You have to really know what your book is going to be about. You have to have the whole table of contents. You have to have already written the first two chapters. So it is, and there's a lot more. You have to read competing books and then have a section on how these various books relate or how your book relates to it, how it's similar, how it could tap into that market, and then how it's different or unique in some way. You have to have marketing plans. You have to have a lot in this proposal. And I wrote one for my second book, and it was 75 pages, well, 78 pages or something. I never ended up using it because I ended up doing the, you know, self-publishing but it is a job, and but it's all worth it because it leads you to into the really the meat of the book. So that's really a focus for me. I just don't know when I'm going to find time to do it because <laughs> there's another focus, and I've just recently the same place that the same company that ran the contest where my book Soul Psychology won the gold medal award in the new age mind body spirit category that company has a marketing 
arm and they I decided it's not very expensive and I decided to give it a try and basically they write up a press release for you and then they send it out to media outlets, both print, TV, radio, uh, web radio and actual radio uh, and video radio. They send it out and these are opt-in places in your field. So I'm hoping by opt-in I mean they are media outlets that have come to this company requesting that they get the press releases in whatever area it is. So it is, you know, possibly a way to get myself out there. The press release is almost done, but the holidays kind of slowed it down. As you imagine, the people I'm working with are uh, away. I hope to get it completed by early January and the first, they send out three emails and the first one goes out January 5th or so. Then there's one in mid-January, one again in February. And so that is a hope that because the media, it's not that I want to become rich and famous. <laughs> it could be further from my mind. But it's because it reaches more people, just like this radio show, being on the Internet and being global. The reach is so much more than just the local, my local group that I have here, which I love. And they are part of my heart, just in the same way you all on the show are part of my heart. But I, I'm always looking for the, the bigger reach. I'm also investigating getting back into um, perhaps another radio show, another video radio show. I don't know when that would start. I'm thinking I probably wouldn't start that until after I do the book proposal, but I am doing the research now. So I am continuing to to work on expanding, don't you know? In any case, the this week's topic, let's get back to this. I am doing in his own words, and it's someone, a soul named Jaradus, and you'll get more information on that, but I don't want anybody to get hung up on the name. It's not important except to give us a handle to use. Um, also, I did want to just mention that for some reason today, I don't have Joan's amalgamation as part of the transcript. Sometimes if the transcribers that I use, and I use many over the years because it was so much to transcribe, I would say don't worry about the introduction or the amalgamation because I have dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of them already transcribed. So occasionally I'd say, oh, just do the information. So that's probably what happened. But if you want to, if you really like Joan's amalgamation statement, which I do, they're brilliant and they're so powerful, you have them because I've done them a couple, three, four times now with the other shows. And I'm sure I will do it again. So you'll, you know, you will have it again, but I just don't have it. And today I'm going to do similar to what I did last time. That is that I am going to read some of what the transcription from Joan uh, as she relates the higher self information and the Jardis information. And then I will break in and make comment or explanation about some of the information. <clears throat> I want you to understand this was done in 87 and I was already and all of us going to groups every week since late 83. 
So much of the information that Jarvis is giving us is based on context that we already have. So there is one section in this that I am going to explain quite a bit of the context because it's not explained at all, but I want you all to have it so that you understand in a bigger, more expanded way what Jardis is saying. Okay. So today we're not going to do the amalgamation until I do the healing. So I'm going to move right into this in his own words. And it was reflected by Joan, the higher self information. And Jardis was reflected by Joan Culpepper. And I will let you know when it's me and when it's Joan. Okay, so it's Joan. We will address tonight once more the ideas and concepts as they pertain to how information is assimilated and played out through the fourth dimensional reality. As you know, evolution in its own right is in a continuing state of evolving so that everything connected to the idea of evolution, including the originating source of all there is, is in a constant state of evolving. As a result of this, the evolutionary concepts that are played out on various planets at various points in time, as the evolutionary movement itself evolves, these concepts also evolve and become more expanded and more strengthened by the very nature of the evolutionary movement itself. Okay, this is me, Janet, saying. Okay, this is one reason that so many who connect to other lifetimes have different interpretations and viewpoints about things, whatever the things are, than other people do. Because we've all experienced a wide range of how the various concepts have played out. It doesn't mean that we or anyone else has experienced it wrong. It's just important to understand that perhaps someone who talks about, for example, Atlantis, was one who played out that evolutionary or was part of that evolutionary concept on a different planet where it went very differently than it did here or during a time so many eons ago that the concept itself wasn't as evolved as it is in the last eon or two. (laughs) Okay, so we simply have to understand that we need to be discerning about the information we take in that we also have to be careful not to call someone out as a phony if we don't agree with their information. We're all struggling, as Diaz pointed out last week, or last time, not last week, to pull the information properly through the dense astral that surrounds the planet, and in fact, through our own energetic baggage. So it's difficult for the information any information to come through in its purity. Over time, the voices, the information will become more congruent, clearer, and the differences will be much better understood. But for now, guys, let's not be judgmental, but understand that the differences in viewpoint often come from very real experiences that were different and also from misunderstandings and misinterpretations about those different experiences. Okay, now we're going back to Jardis. So tonight one comes forward presenting itself as a sixth dimensional 
and as I am presented with the sixth dimensional vibration, I am shown the energy shifting, masculine, feminine, masculine, feminine, masculine, feminine, which is to indicate that this sixth dimensional desire is to once more present to us the idea of changing form, the changing shape. In this pattern, as the sixth dimensional slows into a shaped form, well, I'm certainly glad to see this, and I'm sure the rest of you will be. That was Joan who said that. We have a sixth dimensional stepping forward, presenting itself in a female vibration. Let's hear it for the ladies. This is not done for show or for any reason other than to impress upon each of us the remembrance that the forms and the shapes and the names that we perceive are basically done because in this fourth dimensional reality, we need that in order to identify and to relate. Janet, this is me speaking. Please keep in mind that Jaredus is actually an it, as you recall from last time's talk from Deus. But any it contains the totality of the male and the female nature. So... Jardis is moving back and forth that masculine feminine and then takes on the feminine role. But it's not who Jardis is. How we can relate, perhaps. Okay, back to Jardis. In the earlier stages of evolution on this planet, the Atlantean and the Egyptian concepts were played out through ideas and concepts that could loosely be described as the hidden mystery school. In the Atlantean vibration, the information was presented exactly as it stood. In the Egyptian evolutionary concept, the information was presented in the veiled or parable form. In both instances, it was demonstrated that regardless of what information was presented, whether it be as facts as they were being stated or whether it be facts veiled in parables, the individuals involved in receiving the information still made of it whatever they desired to make of it. In the scriptures on this planet and in many other philosophical understandings, there has been much that's been put into the written word that in reality have no basis in fact, but rather is a reality based on the misinterpretation of the purity of the information. The evolutionary process moves one step at a time, basically speaking. The evolutionary process is made up of souls moving along that evolutionary path, and they make one step forward before they can make another step forward. This is the process of the evolutionary movement in its totality. Evolutionary movement itself is made one step at a time. The momentum of this one step at a time is gathered and gained through the forces of energy that are carried back to the originating source and then outwardly extending into the outer dimensions where the evolutionary patterns still move one step at a time, but a much, at a much higher rate of speed. Okay, this is Janet. That was a mouthful, and I'm going to give you an explanation here. Remember, as I mentioned early on, we already had the information about the outer, outer dimensions. So Jaredus did not need to explain it to us, those of us who were in the class at the time. I do have a little bit about it, and I think in both my books, but I know for sure it's in my second book in one of the appendixes. Um, 
and I'm sure there I explain it a lot better than I'm going to explain it here. But I'm going to give you a thumbnail sketch because I want you to understand the overall reach, the overall process of evolution. It's enormous. It's ongoing. It's forever. It's never ending. And Jardis spends a lot of time both already and from after I give my explanation, I'll read you the rest of what he says. It is very important that we have the idea of how evolutionary works somewhere in that conscious mind. So let me give you a thumbnail sketch. Okay. In the beginning, okay, in the very, very, very beginning, originating source of all there is, carrying in that womb, you, those of you who've been with me and listened to a lot of my shows remember the many, many times and how I discovered this womb energy of originating source that carries the creative life force energy. Anyway, the creative life force energy that was part of the womb there carries flecks of silver and gold, which represent the male and the female energies. And when they, they gathered strength, they gathered numbers, they gathered speed, and when they started connecting, they gave birth to creation. Now, in the beginning, originating source was completely inexperienced. So with each birth, which the birth began with the mineral kingdom, okay? Now, the mineral kingdom the souls that became part of the mineral kingdom, they were de-intensified down. Each expression of the originating source was de-intensified down to the, to the mineral level. And they were part of the planetary systems and the galaxies, etc. And each soul would move through the mineral, plant, animal, human kingdoms, etc. Then they move into the fifth and the sixth and then the seventh dimensions. Now at that point, souls move into the eighth and ninth dimension, which are preparatory levels for returning to the originating source. Please keep in mind, guys, that the originating source does not have its home in heaven. Heaven is part of the human kingdom. It's only halfway through the evolutionary process. And originating source, if the human kingdom heaven is very clearly explained in my second book, is where we go when we lay aside the body. It's very much a part of the human kingdom. And so in any case, uh, once a soul evolves and graduates into the fifth dimension, it takes its body with it. So there is no more need to lay aside the body from the fifth dimension on. So the, uh, the evolutionary process is very different once you leave the human kingdom. But in any case, as the souls move through, these original souls, we're talking way back, okay, so many eons ago, the very first expressions of the originating source, this inexperienced, all there is, expresses itself as these minerals, at, you know, as part of the planetary systems, etc. When the souls evolve, continue to evolve through all these different levels, they then move into the originating source. At that point, the originating source is no longer inexperienced. It takes in the journey of all souls, and as it learns, it too evolves and expands. So after the first returns to the originating source, so many infinite eons ago, we cannot even fathom it, 
You know what? I just noticed something. I just noticed that there was a, I'm not sure whether I'm supposed to. Oh my gosh. I think somebody wants to be hurt. I think I need to answer somebody. It's been so long, but I think um, the number ending in 4278 would like me to pick them up, but I'm, I'm just going to put 4278 on hold and I will do it when I'm done with this information because I want to keep the flow and I'm already stopped the flow for a while. But in any case, let's, let's go on. When these first souls returned so many eons ago, the originating source first became fully, became experienced. And then the souls that are expressed after that move back into a, uh, move back into a soul, okay, are more expanded. In other words, as the originating source, as the souls return and the originating source gets more and more and more and more experienced over time, the new souls that become expressed, actually, they gain from the experience and they, the, the journey of the newer souls is different than the, the, the ones before. Now, the return is happening on an ongoing basis. It isn't like everything was expressed and then everybody evolved at the same rate of speed and everybody returns to the originating source. It wasn't like that. It was just as souls went through the process of evolving, they would return. So it's an ongoing function of evolution. Okay. Now, it might seem as if once these souls return to the originating source, we're done. We've returned home. We're back to part of the conglomerate originating source energy. But in fact, that is not the case. At this point, souls are expressed outward once again to what the higher self call the outer dimensions. Okay? Now, keep in mind, we need words to express. I need words to express this to you. <laughs> but our words are limited. So do the best you can to understand what I'm the picture I'm going to paint, but also understand that it is limited and try not to lock into it because maybe next week or next month I'll have better words, better picture, more expanded, or you will yourself come up with a better analogy or understand it at an expanded level. So I'm doing the best I can at the moment. Anyway, so what are the outer dimensions? Well, they're another evolving evolutionary arena, and they, but they operate at a higher frequency level. Evolution continues at a higher frequency level. Now, the analogy I came up with for my book, and I, it's the best one I've had so far. I'm going to try to repeat it again. Think of a piano. All the Forget the black keys, okay? Because, you know, as an analogy, it isn't perfect, but we're just going to look at the keys A through G, seven notes on a scale. So the very bottom key is A, okay? Let's liken that key to our mineral kingdom. And B is the plant kingdom. C is the animal kingdom. D is the human kingdom. E is the fifth dimensional, fifth dimension. Uh, F is the sixth dimension. And 
G is the seventh dimension, okay? So those, so the seven keys of the scale represent the seven kingdoms, evolutionarily, in my analogy. <laughs> okay, so when we start at the very lowest scale, A through G, very low, I mean, I can't get down that low. But after G on that first scale, we hit another A. So the A is the same as the A on the lower, on the first scale. But the A beginning the second scale on the piano is a higher frequency A. It plays the same note at a higher level. And that's so it goes, scale after scale. So after we get through the second scale, we come to another A. Now, the, the, the A and the third scale is a higher frequency than all the notes on the prior two scales, but it is the same note, likened to the same note, as the because it's an A, as the first two A's. And so it goes up the piano, okay, scale after scale. Well, it's very, it, it's the same in evolution. Our first note, as I said, the A is the mineral kingdom, the B is the plant kingdom, etc. So as the souls go A through G or go through from mineral kingdom through seventh dimension, they then return to the originating source. They are then expressed outward again to the A level or what could be likened to the mineral kingdom in the first outer dimension. So that's what the outer dimension is. It's the next evolutionary scale. Now that A or that mineral kingdom is running at a higher frequency than all the dimensions in the earlier scale, just like on a piano. But it is likened to the mineral kingdom in our scale. Okay? So once a soul moves through A through G in that first outer dimension, it also then returns to the originating source doesn't end there it goes out and it begins another outer dimension or the next scale of higher frequencies again that is the the a or the mineral kingdom of the third uh, the second outer dimension is likened to our mineral kingdom but it's running at such a high frequency level it, it's beyond you know it's hard to even conceive of the fifth dimension in our scale or the letter e i think i said was the fifth dimension yeah so or the note e i should say but in any case that's the way it works so let me tell you there are already four outer dimensions at least four. There could be five. I can't remember and I haven't reread whether it's four or five more. I can't remember if it's five more outer dimensions or it's five dimensions, including four outer and then the one we're in. So I, I just can't remember. But we're talking so many infinite eons of time for this to have been, have to occurred. And we are the newest expressions of the originating source. Our scale, that low scale on the piano, is the newest expression. But you have to understand that eons and eons and eons ago, the first mineral kingdom that was expressed had to have looked completely different than the way it looks now. Because as these souls return to the originating source, 
everything evolved because the originating source is becoming more and more experienced. So, this is the evolutionary thrust because as the originating source becomes more and more experienced, it goes through evolution, its own evolutionary jumps. There have been many evolutionary jumps, and we are moving up to another one. This is the evolutionary thrust that I've been talking to you about many, many times. You speed up the frequencies because the originating source is gearing up to make yet another evolutionary jump. Not the first one it's made. I don't know how many there have been, but there have been many. And we have come a long way, and everything has sped up. Even though it seems like things are slower than molasses, a few eons ago, it would have been so much slower, and then a few eons before that, it would have been like, oh, anyway, we are where we are, and it is the way it is. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to repeat, I just wanted to put, put that all in, so that you understood about the outer dimensions, and you understood the eons of for, the, for what the word forever means. It's really infinite. There is no end. There's absolutely no end, never will be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to repeat the last bit from, from Jardis uh, before I go on to the next thing. He says, the evolutionary process moves one step at a time, basically speaking. The evolutionary process is made up of souls moving along that evolutionary path, and they make one step forward before they can take another step forward. This is the process of the evolutionary movement in its totality. Evolutionary movement itself is made one step at a time. The momentum of this one step at a time is gathered and gained through the forces of energy that are carried back to the originating source and then outwardly extending into the outer dimensions where the evolutionary patterns still move one step at a time but at a much higher rate of speed. Okay, Jaredis continues. So it's important for this group to understand the rules and regulations, quote unquote, as they pertain to evolution. And in that understanding, being able to bring that back into this reality, meaning the fourth dimensional reality, in a state of clarity within that, the fourth dimensional mind. For instance, this one who appears in female vibration as a six-dimensional indicates that should we desire to call her by name, we can refer to her as Jaredus, J-A-R-I-D-U-S. She would further have us understand that she is a total six-dimensional in a total body who is, like Dias, one of the many that assist in the guardianship. I don't like to use that word, but that's the best way to convey what she's trying to tell us, so I have to use it, as long as we don't fall into the trap of thinking this is the guardian and we don't have to do anything because the good guardian angel is here and is going to take care of us. It's just a term we're using, and she says that is a very good example of what they are trying to convey to us tonight. Okay. As a total six-dimensional, the rules and regulations of evolution are always obeyed. So that just as an animal cannot skip human and move to the fifth dimension, but must move step by step through the human vibration first, the same is true of making jumps from the fifth dimensional into the seventh dimension without going, without going through the sixth dimension first. 
And the same is true in the, in the return. This means at the point in time when the evolutionary movement began to process to the degree that fifth dimensionals could return and be part of the one-on-one commingling of energies in the fourth dimensional level, there was also the opportunity for the sixth dimensional who desired to volunteer to be part of this helping with the evolutionary movement to move de-intensified, so to speak, into the fifth dimensional realm. So you are like a fifth dimensional, so just like you are a fifth dimensional incarnate in human facade form, the sixth dimensionals who work in the same evolutionary commitment that you do could be viewed as sixth dimensionals incarnate in the fifth dimensional facade form. They do not carry the density of the facade soul mind nor of the body that you do in the fourth dimensional realm, but they nevertheless are involved in living and being and processing out of both the fifth dimensional realm and sixth dimensional realm. Okay, Janet, this is me talking. Okay, when I first heard this, it was the first time I knew or understood that the same process of the volunteering and the returning went on at the higher levels. I, I didn't know it. That was brand new information at the time. And when I read it again, I, I realized I'd forgotten it all over again. And it was like I heard it from you for the first time. And it's as fascinating now as it was back when I first heard it. Anyway, Jardis continues. There are many interplanetaries that are viewed as being six-dimensionals in human facade form, but rest assured, there are no six-dimensionals in human facade form, for this would go against the process of evolution in that step-by-step vibration, or kingdom-by-kingdom vibration. This means that in the fourth-dimensional realm, there are many fifth-dimensionals who are processing as fifth dimensionals, but who are accessing and drawing on many aspects of their own sixth dimensional soul pattern that have evolved into the higher level. This does not mean that the fifth dimensional is involved in being a true sixth dimensional. It's important to clarify this because in the movement of this evolutionary pattern, there will be much confusion and misunderstanding about what these various dimensions are and how these various dimensions carry out their function insofar as the overall commitment is concerned. Okay, this is me, Janet. All right, let me clarify about what a true six-dimensional is versus being a fifth-dimensional carrying aspects of the sixth dimensional nature. Okay, when we graduated from the human kingdom, we took our complete soul and our body into the fifth dimension. We moved into the androgynous physical form and and continued our existence in that fifth dimension. We were true fifth dimensional. We still are. When we volunteered to return, an aspect of our fifth dimensional soul was de-intensified down, I've explained this to you guys before, to the fourth dimension, and we took on the facade fourth dimensional body, I mean soul and body. We're still true fifth dimensional, and the beingness that we still have in the fifth dimension continues, lives and breathes and evolves in that dimension and however it does. And in so doing, we've moved an aspect Okay, during this time we have been volunteering down here, we have also continued to evolve at that fifth dimensional part of us, and we have moved aspects of ourselves into the sixth dimensional 
higher frequency. But we are not true six-dimensional. We are true fifth-dimensional. Our fifth-dimensional essence, we call our true soul essence. That's who we are. So we have aspects. We're true fifth-dimensional. We have aspects in the fourth dimension that carry the facade soul. And we have aspects that have evolved into the higher frequencies of the sixth dimension. We cannot become true six-dimensionals until the totality of our conglomerate soul comes together. In other words, we have finished our mission as volunteers in the human kingdom and we return the aspects we're carrying here to that fifth dimension. And as a conglomerate, a complete fifth-dimensional soul, we can, and with the body, we can evolve and become true six-dimensional. Okay, so it's the same for six dimension. So once we became a true six dimensional, we could volunteer to return and operate as a volunteer in the fifth dimension, carrying the de-intensified six dimensional aspect, take on a facade fifth dimensional soul, and we could continue the process of helping in that way. And as we did, we would also have aspects of ourselves that would have evolved into the seventh dimension. So, so that's what Jardis is explaining. Um, but we cannot, according to the evolutionary rules and regulations, have any aspects of our soul further than one dimension, either above or below our true soul essence. So we cannot return as animals because we're true fifth dimensionals. We cannot return to the animal kingdom, which is the third dimension, take on some sort of facade soul there. And we can't jump and become part of the seventh dimension. So it's the same for six dimensionals. We, we, there's a step-by-step process in moving forward and evolving. And also the rules and regulations are very clear that the aspecting elements is only one step above and below the true soul essence. Now, I do want to point out here, just a note to say that the higher self use the word dimension or dimensional, and it could be very different as to how others use it. Now, I don't really have any idea about how others define it, but the word is very common and it's used in a lot of modalities. Uh, for example, I've just heard people talk about 13 dimensions or 22 dimensions. I mean, I've heard it from many different, you know, frame of references. And from the frame of reference where they're talking about their dimension. It could have very be very logical. I've never looked into it. It could be very logical. It could make a lot of sense to, depending on how they define it. It doesn't make their definitions wrong. It just means that it's different. I bring it up because it's, more, it's really important, especially when we have such words that are, have such common usage throughout different modalities that we understand and don't assume how somebody else is defining it. So I'm always very clear this is how the higher selves have defined it, how they have explained the various uh, terms, whether it's higher self, I've explained what higher self mean and how I speak about them. I've explained dimension. There's a lot of commonality, and I'm very careful to explain from the higher self 
perspective or philosophy or however you want to say it, what it means. It doesn't mean that anybody else's is wrong. It's just different. So that when you're listening to somebody else, and feel free to listen to whomever you feel connected to, and you feel, you know, that's great. The more we take in, the more we choice we have to, to sift and sort and discern and figure out what works for us. Just understand that it's important with these common words not to make assumptions and to understand how they're defining it. Because the way I define dimension may be um, somebody else uses a different word for it. So in any case, that's the scoop. Um, okay. If we make assumptions, of course, it just leads to more misinterpretations and more misunderstandings. And there's enough of that anyway, so I just have to bring that up. Okay. I'm going to repeat a few sentences from Jardis again to refresh your minds what he said before I went in and explained all of this. And then I'll continue. So just like you are a fifth dimension, fifth dimensional incarnate in human facade form, the sixth dimensional who work in the same evolutionary commitment that you do could be viewed as six-dimensional incarnate in fifth-dimensional facade form. They do not carry the density of the facade soul mind nor of the body that you do in the fourth-dimensional realm, but they nevertheless are involved in living and being and processing from out of both that fifth-dimensional realm and sixth-dimensional realm. In those times, this is Jardis continuing, in those times before you return, when the evolutionary movement was running at a much slower rate of speed than it is at this moment in time. As many of you know, you assisted in the human dimension by infusing your thoughts as very real energy down into the fourth dimensional reality. This energy then was picked up at the unconscious level by the souls who desired to partake of that energy. Additionally, in instances where it was needed and necessary, Fifth dimensionals would focus through in high-level etheric patterns encased in what could be viewed as a force field of thought energy in order to bring the energy into a closer frequency where certain types of souls could more easily benefit from the energy being closer in. It is through this fourth dimensional mind that all information, all perceptions, all ideas, all concepts move. And whether you're a fifth dimensional, as you are, in, or true fourth dimensional, in this reality, the human mind is the only vehicle of expression that the higher information and energy has to process through. Again, it's important for each of you to train yourself in shifting your perspectives and moving away from the tunnel vision so that you can more clearly understand and tap into these higher sources of wisdom and knowledge and understanding important to clarify within your own fourth dimensional mind the various processes and how they truly work so that you do not become entrapped in the tunnel vision of the fourth dimensional reality. Your space brothers, your big brothers about being lifted off or taken somewhere else where the planet cleanses itself, etc. If it were possible, if it were permissible, we would open your minds and pour this in. But we can't do anything that you don't first do for yourselves. We are as bound by obeying the rules and regulations of the human kingdom as you are. We can only appear in meetings like this, in satellite groups, to each of you individually and present ideas and concepts and attempt to assist you by presenting the ideas and concepts in reaching a higher level of clarity within your mind as to your role and your responsibility in fulfilling our part 
of this evolutionary movement. Our part, meaning we are all in this collectively, but you in the fourth dimensional reality are the keys for all of us outside of the fourth dimensional reality. This is not to say that we do not take responsibility in our own higher reality, because we are collectively joined in three different dimensional patterns. But because we are collectively joined in three different dimensional patterns, we are unable outside of this fourth dimensional realm to do more than you permit or allow us to do based on what you yourself do. Again, tunnel vision is black or white, open or shut, when in reality it is none of this. For instance, people get into situations that are uncomfortable for them, whether it be finances, whether it be love life, whether it be family patterns. The first question in the mind of the individual involved in this kind of reality is that of, oh my God, what lesson is it I have to learn? What kind of karma do I have coming down on me? It may surprise you to know there is only one lesson, one lesson that has to be learned. And that one lesson is simply that you have to learn that you can control your life. You cannot be the, quote, God, unquote, that you are until you have learned that one and only lesson to direct your own life. From our perspective, we understand that you think that we think it's a piece of cake. That is not truly how we perceive it because we are you. We have lived your type of experiences and we are privy to your fourth dimensional frustrations and obstacles and realities. But from our perspective, we do know that you can do this. It is for this reason that over the years, different ideas and concepts, different directions, different perspectives have been presented individually and collectively so that you as pioneers could begin to process for yourself what later you will be called upon to teach others to do for themselves. It is the fourth dimensional mind, the fourth dimensional soul that must be cleared. You are all processing this by the nature of your own transformation through your soul-mind detox. But again, in consciousness is power, in knowledge is power, in knowing what you know, the techniques you've been given in groups individually, and some of you receiving them on your own. All of these are designed to assist you to more easily move into that higher level of clarity. You will move through that you will reach that point, but you will reach it more efficiently, more effectively, and far more quickly and far more easily if you begin to work with the ideas that, and concepts that have been presented, utilizing the techniques, the instruments that have been presented by acknowledging on a daily basis your own perfection, by working on a daily basis with those altered realities that create for you disharmony. You can make your world a better, more comfortable place to live in and at the same time open yourself to the higher levels of light that you truly are. It becomes important once more to suggest to you that you not lock into your tunnel vision. It's so easy to cloud the issues and go off on a tangent when you're involved in a situation with other people. 
and other people are not playing fairly with you. The issue, of course, is addressed as the unfairness of this situation. But with a slight twist of perspective of this, you can very easily see that this is an issue that's being presented so that you can find the options that you need in order to take control of the situation as it pertains to you and your life. So what? So that when we process, on one hand, the fairness and unfairness of it, there is nothing accomplished, the vision is distorted, and the viewpoint is not placed on the real issue. The real issue being, this is a situation, what are my options, how should I deal with this situation, how can I shift it to become more of what I am. It's suggested, therefore, that you not play the on-again, off-again, useless idea of fair and unfair. Okay, this is Janet. At that point, the tape was cut off. I am sure there was more. Once in a while, this happened. Either the recorder just didn't click to show Joan that she needed to turn the tape over. Remember, this is back in the old cassette days. There was no digital recorders at that point. Um, for whatever reason, the tape was cut off. Uh, but this was powerful stuff, even though we didn't have the end. Not only, hopefully, you understand the step-by-step -step nature of evolution, but I have to say, for me, the more significant part of this communication from Jardis was that the only lesson that we need to learn is that we can take control of our own lives. Now, when I reread this a few weeks in preparation for my radio, a few weeks ago in preparation for the radio go, it hit me hard. Now, you all know, I talk about often being our own directing identity, being responsible for our lives, giving you the techniques and how to make the changes and the shifts that have helped me so much. You know this. This isn't new for me, but somehow when I read it, it hit me on a whole new, deeper level. And it emphasized something to me in such a way that a big shift happened inside me. It's hard to put words around. And, and what did I do? Well, I actually read this just a few days before I left town to go see my daughter. So uh, I arrived in Houston and it all went on the back burner. I was so busy there. I had almost no time for anything for anything for me, but it was a wonderful visit and everything. Um, my daughter had just had a baby, and so I was taking care of the baby and my daughter, and it was a um, very, very special time. But in any case, it got put on the back burner. But since I've been back, uh, it wasn't forgotten. Since I've been back, let me just tell you, it has been a huge movement forward for me, and I want to share it with you because I'm going to do the healing today. Um related to an exercise in a way that's been a little different. It's, it's where I'm coming. But let me explain. When I came back, well, the reason I, I actually came back early because my son was there and he ended up getting quite sick. And because of the new baby, we just felt it was better not to expose the baby who was still very, very young, just weeks old, 
to uh, the, you know, this illness. He was very, very sick. So we came back. We stayed in a hotel for a day, and then we came back, and uh, a day or two, and then we came back. And so I had Christmas with my son, and he... I came back with a problem with my arm. Now, I can't remember if I've ever told you on the show. I probably have. That one morning about 10 years ago, I woke up, no symptoms, not one symptom before, but I woke up and I couldn't move my arms. If I went to go sideways, I could only move them away from my hips like a few inches before massive pain set up. I could bend my elbows and and bring my arms forward up like um, just straight up, bending at the elbows, but I couldn't raise my arms in any direction. And it was petrifying to me at the time. I didn't know what the heck it was. I ended up going to the doctor. I had an MRI in my shoulders, nothing wrong. I went to a chiropractor. He couldn't help me. And in time, I discovered some friend of mine um, told me about this great massage guy and I went and I ha- and he actually it was difficult for me to drive so I tried to drive as little as I could so I had him come to my place and he came twice a week for I think about three months and worked on my arms and my shoulders and my neck and he solved it about 70% of the time now 70% and then I started working out and strengthening my muscles and that was the remaining 30% now of course the whole time I'm also doing energy work on it and found patterns and all sorts of things which I don't remember anymore but I did do a lot of energy work and neutralizing around it so it was an opportunity for me to release a lot of stuff well much to my chagrin the arm thing came back it was a little different. It was only about, I would say, 25% uh, problem. I can certainly move my arms and there's some pain, but I have a little more pain in my hands and my elbows and my shoulders. It's, uh, I think it was from the stress. It got triggered from the stress of my son being so ill and then the plans changing for Christmas and all of that. So um, for whatever reason, I was heartened to see that it didn't come back as bad as it was the first time and that the work I had done way back when really helped. But remember, I've just now, I've, I've read the information from Jardis and I'm thinking to myself, I can heal this. So I did make an appointment right when I came back to see the same, I can drive this time, to see the same massage guy and I went there. But here's what else I did. Oh, also on Christmas Day, I was with my son, and we had a wonderful day. And he told me, of course, he's had some anxiety problems over the last year and a few months. And it was very severe when it first started over a year ago in the fall, not this past fall, but the year be- the fall before. And I did quite a few sessions on him, and he's read parts of my book, and he's now helping me, and he knows my work now. Um, and he he has adapted the work in his own way to help him with the anxiety. He Originally, he went on some anti-anxiety pills, but he's been able over this year to completely cut back, and he's going to go off it in the first of 2017. I mean, he's only been on 
quarter less of the dose that was first prescribed him for the last few months. So he has been able through this work to really take a hold and take uh, really heal a lot of this anxiety intense, much different than the anxiety that I've told you I had. He had panic attacks and things like that. So he's, but he, we had a long talk on Christmas and he explained to me his method and the way he does it. And he, I could see that what he did is he took what he's learned from me and the higher selves and he is shaped it to work for his issue. So when he feels anxiety coming on, he moves into the space of quiet and just moves into the heart because he feels it with the heart. And he just he brings in the pure soul essence and the true soul essence and all of that. But he's sending the light to whatever he feels or sees or senses the the need at the time and, and it's really fascinating and I don't remember all the details but it's a lot of tension in the neck and so when he and he does it for like an hour or two now but he can feel the light it's like little fingers it goes up and unlocks the neck the muscles in his neck he used to have a lot of problems with his neck he could barely move his head because the, the muscles were so tight and they're now starting to unlock and he has a lot more movement in his head the the heart has been uh there was a dark spot in his heart and so he he kept going within deeper and deeper within until he could find that dark spot and try to figure out what it was and and heal it and whatever and he got it that he was stabbed in the heart at one point and he's not psychic. He's, you know, to, you know, so far he's not done it, but he, he understood it and he was able to get the energy. He said he created, and I love this, a black hole outside of his heart. And he said, Mom, it's a lot like your, your vacuum of light with a million billion BTUs, but it's a black hole and it sucked out that dark spot and it completely released. So again, he's using his own and his own images, his own symbols, his own way, he's, he's, but he's using the pure soul essence, guys. Remember, that's the key. He's using that key. He's using the true soul essence. He's, you know, he's connecting with his higher self in his own way. And he's really able to, he's been able to deal so well with this anxiety and move this pattern. And after he just did that, one big healing I'm telling about recently, he put his music up on SoundCloud. So he's been composing music for almost 10 years and never felt it was good enough or he was good enough to put it out there. And he's because he had some anxiety about the whole thing, he felt so badly about being sick with the baby around and all of that. He, you know, he just felt so much that, but it triggered a lot of anxiety for him. So he did a lot of intense work when he got back and he's fine now, by the way, he had some sort of stomach throw up bug, but it was very intense because he was already depleted. He'd had a, his immune system was low because of the weekend he'd had before where he stayed up late and got caught in the rain and was freezing and he had the right clothes and all of that. But in any case, he, he absolutely put his music on for the first time after this big long session. Well, between Jardis and hearing my son talk, I've started since then myself 
to approach some of the healing work in a different way. Now, you know that I've talked to you and tried to impress upon you that it doesn't, you don't have to go off for an hour at a time to do this work. You can do while you're in the shower, you're standing in line at the post office, uh, you're, you know, when you get good at it and it's, you know, more easily to do, you can even do it driving when it's, you know, of course, the minute something happens or, you know, you have to, you'll shift your attention, but you can do it walking, exercising all these times. You don't have to put time aside, especially for this. Of course, I did do that, and I told you that sometimes I would work really hard on something. You have a big issue in your life, and you you focus on it and put a lot of time in. But I don't emphasize that you have to do it all the time. Well, I came back, and I decided that I was going to try to do what Alex did. Now, I knew I was never going to do something for an hour, an hour and a half, or two hours. But since then, I have gone off, laid down when I'm not sleepy. We're not talking late at night, (laughs) but in the morning, sometimes middle of the day, sometimes, you know, late afternoon, early evening. I lay down for 20 minutes. I, I don't time myself. So it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. And I go in and I, sorry guys, anyway, excuse me, I go in and I shifted the exercise a bit and spend 20 minutes or whatever it is and I just send the energy into my arms or wherever else comes up for me. And I have to say, I started it, I think, Sunday night because my son so inspired me. I started it Sunday night. I did it Sunday night. I did it a couple of times Monday. I did it, I think, three times yesterday. And I did it a very, very short time this morning. But it's hard to do it when I have the show coming up. And I have to say that my arms are at least 60%, maybe 70% better just in those three days. And we're talking a major movement forward. Now, I'm not stopping. If my arms get completely better, I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep going. And I want to encourage all of you to make a commitment to spend 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes, whatever you have, once a day or twice a day. Make a commitment to yourself for just three weeks to do it. And the reason I'm suggesting three weeks is they say that you can't create a new habit unless you do it for three weeks. So you have to kind of use willpower for three weeks, and then it becomes a habit. And then you can't help but do it because you just don't feel like your day is normal without it. And I found, I heard that years ago, decades ago, and I found that really true. If, you know, I was always a runner, Uh, I used to jog all the time and starting from my, I don't know, early 20s, I think, and I used to jog, and if for some reason it was a blizzard or there was a snowstorm because I was living back east, and I couldn't do it for a while, when I came back to it, I had to kind of power through for three weeks, and then I was back up to speed, so I found that to be true often, so I'm asking all of you to take, to commit to three weeks, you can't start right away. You know, wait till you think you have three weeks where you can find 20 minutes a day to do this exercise that I'm about to do with you. And 
I've already noticed, even though it's only been since Sunday, it's now Wednesday, I, I've already noticed that I'm moving into that very deep level of connecting with the energy I faster. I'm, I don't know that you'll need 20 minutes or a half hour by the time that three weeks is over. Maybe a week will go by and you're going to notice already the shifts that it's going to be easier and faster. And remember, the energies are expanding moment to moment to moment. The frequencies are increasing moment to moment to moment. And so that helps us moment to moment to moment. So, and I think also that in time, and I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm going to let you know where I am by next week, okay, Uh, when I do the show next week. We are going to... We're going to get to the point where we don't need to put aside the time for 20 minutes. I think we're going to get to the point, this is my theory, where we just think it and that's where we are. So we can again be standing the line, but we are working at a very, very deep, very intense level and getting more of an effect than we would just you know, doing the neutralizing. Now, this is not to say that the neutralizing and all the techniques that I've given you on neutralizing aren't effective. You heard Jaredis. Neutralize away these patterns. It is completely effective. But as the energies expand, it becomes more expanded because that's really what the light is doing. In this exercise, the light is neutralizing. It is healing. It is neutralizing. It is empowering. So that is what it's doing. We're just we're, we're just giving it sort of the, uh, the added jet propel, I don't know, jet fuel, you know, that's pushing it even faster and higher and further. So, and as you know, my life has changed 180 degrees so many times since I started this work. So this is nothing that you've learned already. Any of the techniques that you feel good about use, I'm giving you a, an expanded technique today. And that's where we're going. All right. So my focus is going to be in the healing for all of us. But in fact, maybe I won't even mention it. One of the things that Jardis really emphasized was this tunnel vision that we have. The whole idea that it's fate or it's karma or it's this or it's that. Um, So I was going to start there and work on that today. But, you know, you can, I think I'm going to, leave it open. I'm going to bring you all in to this, you know, a slightly different way of approaching the exercise. And and we'll just see where we go on it. Okay? And I think I'll just let you guys do for yourself what's important for yourself. Now, I hope all of you are comfortable. I hope you understood everything that I talked about. Uh, you can always email me at Janet at JanetRichmond.com. Please, anytime, get back to me. And I see Robin is on, and Robin often does, and I so appreciate it. So appreciate it. Anyway, okay, guys, so get comfortable best you can. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm just going to get some water. All right, I want everyone to quiet the mind as best they can, as best you can. And I'm immediately 
seeing the wheel, the rim of the wheel set up with the souls of the past, present, and future listeners on the wheel. It's just huge. They're just, I'm very bad with numbers, but there are legions of souls on here. So that tells me that um, there are many, many that are still to come, still to listen, still to learn, and that's always a good thing. Uh, the higher selves are indicating to me that there are also souls that may or may not listen, but at the soul level, they are aware of the frequencies that are moving out, that they are aware of uh, at the soul level. They are asking for more, and uh, they're coming in as well. So they may not actually ever be a listener. Oh, that's very interesting. In fact, I'm getting that some of them are souls that do not even have access to a computer. And of course, if you guys have seen stuff on the internet, there are billions that do not have access to a computer. So this makes me feel good that we can reach them at the energetic level and the higher self are indicating yes, that is so. Um, okay. So we're all here and uh, I have also sensed that Jared is here. And so is Diaz, and I have to say that it's bringing a few tears to my eyes. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of support. Uh, they are here to support us because, they, as they have said, both of them, they want us to, you know, everything goes through our facade, soul, minds, bodies. We are the expressions that they have to deal with. Um, and so it's up to us to let them in. It's not up to them to force it upon us. It's up to us to allow it in, to get to that point that we're out of the tunnel vision and that we are able to expand to reach those, that higher level of information. Okay. Now, <clears throat> well, the interesting thing is I have a symbol that I use, and it's now... Um, being shown to me that symbol in a conglomerate way. This is a symbol that came up in a session I had with a client. It was fascinating, but they way back when gave us symbols of an escalator or an elevator that we would get on. It was an exercise that we did way back when we would imagine ourselves getting on this escalator and moving into higher and higher frequencies until we got into the fifth dimension at the conscious level and we were able to communicate and connect with ourselves, our beingness at that level. Well, in this exercise with the client, the higher selves change the image to an escalator that goes within the fact of the matter is the escalator going outward or upward uh, away from us symbolically only adds to the understanding or the belief systems that we carry so deeply that the higher self or that our beingness is somehow separate from us and not us. So they shifted the image to that escalator moving down within us to deeper levels because the fifth dimension is the name for the fifth dimension is inner planetary, which I described just recently. I N N E R planetary. We are carrying that true soul essence within 
the pure soul essence is within. It is not something out there that we have to reach for. It's not an external energy. It's not an external authority. It is our own inner, quote unquote, God, our own inner nature and our own inner divinity. And so they change the image to have the escalator moving within the client. And then I saw not only one escalator, but many. It was a circle, a circle with a lot of escalators moving down into that true soul essence. And the significance of many escalators in a circle moving down, like in a forming a cone, moving down, where if you go down the escalator, you're moving deeper and deeper into and becoming one with your true soul essence. And the image of the circle is that no matter what direction you're coming from, you can always find that escalator into the true soul essence. You don't have to be in a specific place, a specific time period, a specific mindset. You can move down an escalator. There is one available to all of us from wherever we are, whatever our perspective is. So that was the symbolic circle. And when I started, I started using this exercise even before um, this most recent last few days. And it was interesting, when I was out walking, I tried using it on myself. And I didn't get into it as deeply as I did the last few days, but it was interesting because I'd go out walking and I'd start to amalgamate and the higher self would symbolically push me down the escalator that became almost like a water slide. It was fun and I was being encouraged. I mean, they wouldn't literally push me if I didn't want to, if I could have refused, but it became a game. So I'd amalgamate and instantly I'd be on this ride moving down into the true soul essence. But when I started using it more, what happened was I began to go down even further into the pure soul essence. So now they don't push me in anymore because I'm right there, you know, anyway, but it was sort of a fun way to get started. The, um, the exercise for all of us now is that I'm going to have you move down the escalators. First, we're going to reach into the true soul essence. That's who you are, how your evolutionary nature at the highest level, and it contains the six-dimensional aspects that all of you have, okay? And then we're going to continue to move down into that pure soul essence, understanding that all of our aspects, the fifth, our human facade and our fifth-dimensional true soul on everything carries that pure soul essence. We are with, with it no matter where we are in the whatever aspect we are, wherever we are evolutionarily. So at the heart of the matter is going to be that pure soul essence. That is the energy that carries the power of the miraculous. That is the energy that we can use. It is that Panama Canal of self-help, and that is the energy we're going to tap into in this very a little bit different way. And we are going to bring it to anywhere and everywhere in our lives that we feel to, at least starting with this healing, wherever you feel to. So right now, I'm asking all of you to quiet your minds. 
and I want all of you to move to the top of the escalator anywhere it might be on the circle. And I'm getting conglomerate symbol. It's as if I'm seeing an escalator from each of you moving down into the center of the symbolic true soul essence, the conglomerate symbolic true soul essence of all of you. And now I'm going to ask that we all focus our attention. Focus is very key. You've heard me talk about focus often. It is very key to focus on our journey on these downward escalators. You can make them a slide. You can make it water. You can make it whatever you feel, see fit. And I'm now watching many, many individuals begin the slide down. I want you to focus on moving down onto that or into and becoming one with the pure soul essence. I'm asking all of you to move down the escalator deeper and deeper, going within and say to yourself, I am my pure soul essence. Feel it, sense it, imagine it, expand it, become one with that energy. Be it, know it, feel it. And I want you, as you do this, to look down just beneath, because at the foundation, underneath, is a huge field of beautiful, brilliant, powerful, pure, divine energy that we all are and that we all carry. And I want any of you and all of you that are ready to continue on the movement inner, inside, going deeper and deeper and deeper into these, or it's, we say deeper, but in fact, the frequencies are getting higher. So it's a little difficult with the words to explain what I'm saying, but we're going to moving inward to the point where we are able to become one with that pure soul essence, divine energy. And I saw symbolically a lot of you kind of jumping in, like like cannonballing into it. It's very cute. Others are, are sort of more uh, tentative, putting the toes in first, just trying to touch it a little bit before you jump in. Uh, there's others that are um, not quite into the true soul essence yet, but that's okay. Just keep focusing no matter where you are in your process. doesn't matter how how you are going compared to anybody else. It's all individual. And if there is a problem, if you're having difficulty, the we're we're all becoming we're all amalgamated with the originating source and we're all one with the our higher selves. And I want you just to begin to um send whatever issues might be coming up. Is there fear coming up? Is there doubt? Is there questioning? Is there, you know, I'm not good enough? Is there a helpless feeling? Is there a powerless feeling? Whatever is coming up, I want you to just send it into the light. You may not be able to become one with it yet, but it's there for you to have you and you can neutralize with it. 
And that's what I want anybody, any resistance, any tunnel vision, any fair or unfair, any right or wrong, any good or bad, any confusion. There's a lot of confusion here because at the soul level, we've heard so many things and we carry all of that from so many lives. And so there's tons of confusion, tons of conflict. Tons of beliefs and disbeliefs that stand in our way. So we want to just keep throwing that into the light. Now, if you've made it into the light and you're bathing in the light, and there's quite a few that have made it into the light, you can begin to direct the light. First, begin by just saying, I am one with the light. I am the light. I am the divine light. I am the energy. I am the power of the miraculous. I am my own God. I am the originating source of all there is. And just continue to focus and see and feel, experience the light and have it move in through and around your physical body wherever you are feeling discomfort, issues, problems whatever illness patterns you might have. Illness, aging, death, dying, all of these. Send it into all of these. Any issues that you have in your life. So not only are you sending the light into the areas of the body that need healing, we're going to activate divine healing, divine rejuvenation, divine regeneration, divine renewal, divine balance. Just keep pulsing the light into and around. I get to the point where I can't even feel my hands. There's so much energy moving there. It's as if my body doesn't exist. It's just I'm gloves of energy. And I feel it going up into my shoulders working with the muscles. Try to feel or sense it wherever you are, like my son worked with it with his heart because that's where he feels his uh, anxiety. I want you to just continue to send it. And then you want to also send the light into the soul mind to neutralize whatever parts of the energetic garbage are the cause of the whatever pattern it is you're working on and you want to send it in to neutralize all the ripple effects. When you have, for example, when you have sore hands, there's certain things that are more difficult to do. So I would send it into the ripple effect of, of, you know, whatever result of having sore hands, you know, happen to uh, lead, you know, lead or not lead to. So you want to do all the ripple effects, the causes, direct and indirect, and the ripple effects, and just send the light. Now remember, this divine light knows exactly where to go. It can't do any harm. It can't hurt us in any way. It is incorruptible. It can't be discolored or misused, controlled, or manipulated. So you don't even have to send it anywhere at all, just ask it to go where it needs to go. 
and it will do for you exactly what you need it to do. But you can absolutely direct it as well. It's very powerful, and it can do both, as a matter of fact. When I first started, I mostly felt it, my arms, my legs, lower parts, lower chakra areas. Now when I do it, it's moved up into the heart and the throat and the head. So it's finding its own way and it's working its own magic in in its own timing. It's tackling the things that are more needed and necessary making the priorities for me because I don't know at the mind level what they are. None of us will know. I see a lot more people moving into the true soul essence and the pure soul essence. It's, there's been an um, increase in the volume of souls moving down deeper and deeper and deeper. If you want to, if you have certain things you want to accomplish, you can also work on those. You want to get higher information. You can work on uh, clearing and healing whatever the tunnel vision is that keeps us from getting it or the beliefs and disbeliefs that hold us stuck, all the feelings we've created for ourselves. Whatever your focus is, you can use this energy and I want you to do it at least once a day. That's what I started out. By the third day, I did it three times. I couldn't wait to go back to it again because I could feel the shifts and the changes. As I said, my arms are already 60-70% better. It's just amazing how fast it's worked for me. And it works physically, mentally, emotionally works on our thoughts, our habits, our emotional responses. It's working on the totality of who we are at the soul level. Well, it's really interesting because I just recognized a soul. I don't do this very often. Somebody I knew from school And I saw again at at the reunion I was at, and he was pretty, he never said this, but he was very depressed, not feeling really good about life. Um, I wouldn't say clinically depressed, but he was very withheld, withheld a lot of himself. He'd had a history of drug use. I don't know if he still does drugs. But I saw him just do a cannonball right into the pure soul essence. A lot of the people from that reunion have started to listen to my work, and I'm so thrilled. And this one, um, I never really had a lot of conversations, just sort of brief hellos. And I just saw him jump in. I just, you know, I don't see individuals usually, you know, you know me, I don't, once in a blue moon. But anyway, I feel really good about that. And I, I just hope the rest of you are feeling this intense, powerful energy. It is our purest, most perfect, 
most potent personal power. We all carry it, and this is the key to becoming the directing identities in our lives. This is it, everyone. Okay, I'm just looking at the symbol. It's as if most of you are in a state of stun or in some sort of, um, I feel it, it's kind of like you go into an incubation or hibernation. It's hibernation kind of feeling for me. And there's always been something small that kind of pulled me out of it in the times. I never had any time period, but something would happen. I'd hear some noise or something, and it would pull me out of it. But um, I feel like there's so many here in a state of hibernation. This symbolic bigger picture I'm getting is very, very heartening to me. And I encourage all of you to continue to use it, as I said. So there are just a few stragglers, very, very few, that have not been able to join the rest of us. And the higher self, they're indicating that just being, oh, it's very interesting, just being part of this whole group, um, just being on the escalator is huge steps for these souls. This is not something to regret or feel sorry for or to somehow judge them as not doing it uh, right or well or whatever. They are indicating that these souls have taken a very big step forward just being in the energy and coming partway down the escalator. Um, I think it was Diaz that explained that souls all move at their own rate of speed, and I've said this many times myself, but just two weeks ago, Diaz was saying, and even though they may not move to the place where they take in all the energies, they may uh, have to lay aside the body and reincarnate somewhere that uh, is in keeping with where they are at that frequency level, but any steps forward that they have taken up until this point is giant, is great, and is helpful for them in their own journey. And that's what the higher selves are indicating to me now, that this is something to be celebrated, that these souls that have not made the journey all the way into the true soul essence and the pure soul essence is really okay because they're at least entertaining and taking in the concepts. The seeds have been planted. And so they are, in effect, kind of observing uh, from above, watching the scene, seeing and understanding it at whatever level they see it and understand it. But seeds have been planted, and this is a good thing for these souls. And that's the perspective that it's important for all of us as we move through and move into our pioneering uh, mission here, we first move through our own issues, and then we, when we go out to understand that not every soul is going to hear the message, not every soul is going to take in the higher frequency levels of understanding, and that's really 
fine. We have to allow them their own timing, their own journey, just as we have to allow ourselves our own timing and our own journey. And the higher selves are indicating that, that um, these souls that haven't made it are actually souls that are already fifth dimensional. But their human facade soul is very, very uh, wounded. Um, and the soul scrambles they carry at that level are very, very deep, and they are not able to fully uh, move into the fifth dimensional mission at this point in time, but not to be concerned because this healing, as you guys know, is for all of us, even these who are healing uh, have even more to heal, at a, even at a deeper level. Um, so this is all interesting and important for us to understand that even as fifth dimensional, we can be, we can have tremendous problems. Now, those of you listening to the show, I don't think would be at this, where these souls are uh, in the, the, the suffering and the pain and the, um, the limitations that this facade soul has put on themselves, put on itself. I don't think anybody actually listening and reaching out for this kind of information would be doing that. These are souls who probably are in areas where this kind of information isn't even available uh, consciously. But at the unconscious level, they are ready for it. They are reaching for it. They want to heal. And maybe next week, next month, next year, they will continue their movement forward and be able to uh, move into this pattern much more easily okay the higher south have indicated they're putting the cocoon energy around the entire group and they are leaving the entire group within the pure soul essence they do want to encourage you to understand that being within and being one with the pure soul essence is not something that needs to be sporadic and they have ind- they are indicating that I am correct when I say that in time it's going to be something that we don't have to put aside 20 minutes or half an hour to get used to doing, that in time it is going to be there on a continual basis. And they are leaving us in this space connected with the pure soul essence and, of course, the true soul essence um, without taking us out each soul will move out at its own rate of speed and will move back into the fourth dimensional reality. But they are indicating that the more we do it, the more practice we have, the easier it's going to be to maintain the connection with that pure soul essence. Okay. Wow. I'm still in La Land, my, my hands and arms, because that's where... I felt it most personally for this healing. Uh, You know, I think last time was the first time I really felt anything personally. And I saw that altered reality disappear. But this time I'm feeling it in my hands. And so it feels like I'm doing some sort of expanding, that I'm able to expand my focus of attention past just everybody else and to include myself. Wow. very cool and so anyway but i'm still in la la land and i hope it's been good for all of you and that you all are still feeling the effects the intense effects of being one with being connected to that 
those very powerful divine energies. Those are it, guys. Those are how we're going to change our lives. So again, I challenge each and every one of you to put aside 20, 25, 30 minutes once a day. And of course, if you can do it twice or three times, yippee-skippy. I have a feeling you will do it on your own more than once. As I started out doing once a day and immediately went to twice, and then the next day I did it three times. So you may find such a, a powerful effect that you'll go without even trying to doing it more than once a day. But try to make the commitment to once a day for three weeks. And let's see if we can create this new habit for ourselves. Because this habit alone is going to expand us in ways we cannot even imagine now. Okay, so today is week one. Starting today, I started mine. I have a little bit of a head start on you guys. But we'll start week one today, December 28th. And each week, I'll let you know my progress. And if anybody wants to get back to me at Janet, JanetRichmond.com or info at JanetRichmond.com, please do so. I truly, truly hope that you will. Somebody will give me feedback. I, I pretty sure I'll hear from you, Robin. So love you so much for doing that. It's hard, I know, to sit down and I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not disappointed or discouraged because nobody gets to me. But when somebody comes to me, it is always icing on the cake. I get so much from the show on my own that um, I don't need to hear back, but it is fun and it's enlightening. Anyway, I encourage all of you to listen to the show again. There was a lot of information. It probably will be posted tomorrow um, on my website, and I think it will probably already be posted on Blog Talk. I don't know where you guys get it or listen to it again, but it won't be on my website until tomorrow. I'm pretty sure. But anyway, I love you guys. The New Year is coming up. I'm going to try to do something for the new year, but I don't know when it's going to be. Next week, I'm doing, in his own words, Marius, the third time he came to us. So I don't remember the topic anymore because I did organize this a number of weeks ago, but it will be Marius who played the role of Christ uh, in the unfoldment of the higher heart consciousness concept on this planet 2,000 years ago. And if you haven't heard the ones that I've done already, I encourage you to go back and listen to the first two first. Well, the first one I did was actually the second one he did because it was related to the election. And then I did his first one, and now this is actually going to be his third one. So I'm not sure where I'm going after that. I have to go in and read a whole bunch of stuff again. But I just encourage you to re-listen because there's just so much meat in each and every one of these. And I know when I reread it, when I look at it again, it hits me at different levels. Different parts of it hits me in a new way. And I just so I encourage you to do it. Anyway, I love you all. I wish you all the best for 2017. Have a wonderful new year. And with that, I'll say my goodbyes for today. Thank you for listening to Janet Richmond and the Higher Self Voice. Visit Janet's website 
at JanetRichmond.com to view all of her upcoming events or to buy her book, Choices, Neutralizing Your Negative Thoughts and Emotional Blueprints.